Hi everyone, this is Sarah from Hamilton. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Illumine our hearts, O Master, who loveth mankind, with the pure light of thy divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our mind to the understanding of thy gospel teachings, and plant also in us the fear of thy blessed commandments, that trampling down all carnal desires, we may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, both thinking and doing such things, as are well-pleasing unto thee. For thou art the illumination of our souls and bodies, O Christ our God. Unto thee do we ascribe glory, together with thy Father, who is from everlasting, and thine all holy, good, and life-creating spirit, both now and ever, to the ages of ages. Amen. Before we get into the main subject of this video, I want to mention that if you want to support this channel, please pray for me. That's the most important thing. But if you would like to financially support the channel, please consider becoming a patron. At the third tier, I guarantee you access to an hour um, at minimum. Long call with me every month if you would like to take advantage of that. Um, you can do it through Zoom or the phone or whatever you prefer. You can also do that on a one-time basis through PayPal, but just see the details below. I'm not going to spend too much time going into that. So I'm back from my vacation now, so let's get right into it. Today what I want to talk about is the relationship between the death and resurrection of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. And I want to keep this relatively brief because I want it to be quite accessible. I think there's a fair bit of confusion on this subject, especially with the relationship of forgiveness and and reconciliation. This is some, when I say there's confusion on the subject, I'm saying that out of my own personal memory of being confused about how exactly these things hold together. So what exactly is forgiveness? Now, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation, okay? That's an important point to make. If you have a severed relationship with somebody, forgiveness is the basis upon which you reconcile. Forgiveness is the statement, I am not going to count what we have done to each other or what you have done to me against you, and the other person says the same thing. They say that they're not going to count past trespasses against each other. They're not going to remember them to the best of their ability by God's grace. And on that basis, they are going to move forward into a new relationship. If husband and wife sin against each other, which they do daily in matters large and small, they say at the end of the day, I am sorry. And they forgive each other. And then they move forward to build that relationship up. And so on the long term, what happens? Well, what happens is that if this is done consistently, then every day's transgressions don't pile up because they're thrown out every day. But every day's acts of love do pile up. And that means that the intimacy of the relationship is cumulative while the transgressions are not cumulative. Now, what does this mean in terms of our relationship to God? Now, to be in relationship with God means that we are in an eternal relationship with God. It never ends, because that's who God is by nature. But there's a problem. Sin, simply by definition, by the nature of what it is, sin orients us away from God. Okay, so what sin is, is it is the seeking of some good, some blessing, in an illegitimate way. So let me say that again. Sin is the seeking of some good in an illegitimate way. Even the worst crimes imaginable are never evil done for its own sake. As C.S. Lewis points out, even torture is not for its own sake. Torture is always to get some pleasure, and pleasure taken in itself is a good. In God's presence, there are pleasures forever. Or it is trying to force someone to tell you something. And truth, taken in its own right again, is an intrinsic good. God is a God of truth, and God cannot lie. But these are heinous crimes. 
But why is it that evil can't be done for its own sake? It's because evil has no innate existence. It's always the twisting of something which exists in God, remembering that God is the basis of all existence. He is the only one who has life in himself, that is intrinsically. Everything apart from God, that is creation, has life by his creative and sustaining will. That is to say, everything has life as gift. Now, as creatures, it is part of our innate, uh, human creatures, I mean, it is part of our innate nature that we have free choice. Now, free choice is designed to allow us to be creative, okay, because we choose among different goods. That's what it's meant for. But because as creatures, we have free choice, what that entails is that for us to grow up into God's likeness means that we must choose God. That choice must mature and develop and grow until it is so strong that the only choices we make are among various goods because we are so well acquainted with the good that we would never choose otherwise. Now, that's something that is should be given a full exposition in another video, but I just want to make that point briefly. So what is it about sin that creates the need for forgiveness? And what is it about forgiveness which allows us to be reconciled to God? Well, because sin is by definition, simply by the nature of the case, an orienting and a movement away from God. And because God and God alone has innate existence, to move away from God is to move away from life towards death and disintegration. One progressively loses one's selfhood. So sin leads to death innately. Because of what we mean by death and what we mean by sin, sin will always lead to death. Now here's the issue. What is the difference between any number and infinity? It will always be an infinite difference. It doesn't matter whether it's one trillion or one. The difference between infinity and any finite number is going to be infinite. What that means is that even the slightest motion away from the infinite God will always produce invariably death. It will always produce this infinite rupture. Now, when I say rupture, we're not talking about God arbitrarily expelling someone from his presence. What we're talking about is a rupture, a break in the relationship. Now, a break in the relationship simply happens because of what has been done. It's not an arbitrary choice. If someone commits adultery, it produces always a break in the relationship. And that break can be responded to by um, repentance and by God's will, forgiveness. Or that break can be responded to by simply a full realization of that break. But it will always produce a break. So sin leads to death because of the separation from God, just as certainly and necessarily as 1 plus 1 equals 2, or 5 plus 5 equals 10. It's intrinsic to the qualities of the concepts that we are describing. So here's the solution. The infinite God, the infinite eternal word, who has intrinsic to his person an infinite treasury of uncreated life, joins himself to human nature. He becomes one of us. And because we are all a single human family, 
and we are all threaded together. Each of us is who he or she is because of all of our relationships with all other human persons. We're all one family, just as, you know, you will have a single household with a single treasury. You know, there's one bank account for the whole household, father, mother, and children alike. Well, the same is true for the human family writ large. Okay, so the infinite word becomes a son of Adam. And he becomes the heir as a son of Adam, because Adam was given the world, of the creation which is meant to be the household of God. Now, as a family member, he has that infinite life and he gives it as an inheritance to mankind. Now, sin produces death. Okay, it just inevitably does by the nature of the case, as we've discussed. And what that death does is eventually it will rupture the soul from the body and indeed it will rupture the soul from itself. A person becomes increasingly isolated from themselves. They are not well acquainted with themselves. They're not well acquainted with their own wiring. They don't understand why they do certain things. In fact, they increasingly do certain things for no reason at all. There are at least no reason that they understand. Now, when the infinite word, having joined himself to human nature, dies... And because we are one family, we share one nature, to use the language of the councils. What that means is that that death which is his also belongs to us. Now, what that means is that whenever we sin, when we repent, and repentance, as C.S. Lewis says, is simply a description of what it is to turn back to God. It means to turn around. We turn away from evil and towards God. That's the definition of repentance. Repentance isn't the precondition for what we have to do to turn back to God. It simply is a description of that. Now, because sin inevitably produces death, because that death has been died in Christ, who is God himself, we are able to embrace that death and experience the invariable result of our sin, that is death, and follow it as a door back into relation with God. And indeed, all of the imperfections which are present even in the act of our repentance, which invariably produce death, though that death is died in Jesus Christ, and it becomes, likewise, a door. So, it is only those positive qualities in our operations which are cumulative, which build us up. All of the imperfections, those are cast aside day by day. We pray for the forgiveness of our sins, both voluntary and involuntary. Now, what this means is that now we have a door back into relation with God. Okay. Because sin produces death, but that death has died in Christ, and Christ was raised from the dead because he is God, that is life himself. Christ died and was born again from death in a resurrected and glorified body, which cannot die. Well, if our death has died in Christ, we can follow him right through into resurrection. Now, forgiveness and reconciliation are very closely related, so I want to parse this out carefully. Forgiveness is that act of God whereby he sets aside our movements away from him, that is, our sins, and creates and builds a new relationship with us in Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is the content of that relationship. Because our sins are set aside, well, now we have a clean room which can be decorated. And the decoration 
is, as it were, the uh, content of that reconciliation. It's the content of that new relationship. Now, because we are bound to the world and are unable to completely suppress the truth, this is very important spiritually as well as theologically, of course, recognizing that all theology is, at bottom, very spiritually important. The real world is the world as it is known by God. And God has promised very clearly to forgive our sins when we repent. In Christ, when we are joined to him in faith and baptism, we are in this new relationship. We have been crucified and resurrected with Christ, which means we can always renew that crucifixion and resurrection in the act of repentance. Imagine having to lift a weight which is infinitely heavy. We can't do that, except... Jesus, being the divine word, having all power, has already lifted that weight and he dwells in us and empowers us to lift it. He makes us what we are and in fact he makes up all of our deficiencies so that we can constantly become more than we are. And if we repent our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now an important point here is that this is not the same thing as feeling forgiven. It doesn't matter whether you feel forgiven or not in the moment. We know and must constantly return to the reality that if we've repented, if we genuinely intend, imperfectly as we do, to turn away from our sin, God has forgiven us. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. And that reality is outside of ourselves. It's something we can look at and point towards because God has written it down. And because it's something we can look at outside of ourselves, it doesn't require introspection to access. And that means we can be drawn out of ourselves into the life of God and thus into the life of the real, true world. And that's the basis for lasting peace with God. And it's on the basis of that peace that a relationship can be built. Imagine if you've had an argument with someone, say with your spouse or a close friend, a really bad argument. Now, then you just try to talk about normal things without mentioning the argument. You try to just ignore it. It's awkward. You can't really do it. You don't want to go to lunch with this person. As James Jordan points out, lunch is a terrible context to talk about some conflict. It has to be resolved before you eat together. Once it is resolved, then you can build the relationship. So the first is forgiveness. The second is the content of reconciliation. Now, one could frame it a different way. One could say that forgiveness is reconciliation, but the building up of that relationship is what follows on reconciliation. I'm not so concerned with how we use these words or what we mean by a specific word. What I'm concerned with is just the concepts involved. So I want to make that point very clear. Okay, let's sum up. Sin is a turning away from God. Turning away from God, who is life himself, invariably produces death. That's part of the intrinsic quality of the concepts involved. It can no more be otherwise than 5 plus 5 could equal 11. Now, because sin produces death and we have sinned, we are all going to die. There's no way to avoid that. We are not exempted from dying in Christ. As has been said, uh, Christ did not die so that we might live. He died so that we could die, but lives so that we can live. Now, what repentance is, is a turning back to God. And what this means is that 
turning back to God, that death, which is inevitable, is died in Christ, so that death is not the end of the road, death is a door. Reconciliation and the building of a relationship with God, which is the content of everlasting happiness, we are created for happiness, and the only source of happiness there is, is in God. So, the acquisition of that friendship with God, that everlasting, infinite, and infinitely deeping happiness, that is a, that is a possibility because the infinite word who has infinite life has communicated that life to death. He has been raised from the dead in a body which cannot die, and that allows death not to just be an end. Death becomes a door into greater life. And every time we repent, we are opening that door. And that greater life, that is being a son of God. God, as Father, has built the household. And who dwells in a household? A family. And as his children, we can approach the throne of our Father in heaven with boldness, with confidence that he has promised us that we can have new life and be forgiven. And we don't need to look at our feelings to see whether we feel forgiven. We know that we have been because he has made that promise. And the Christian life is the realization and development of that reality so that peace with God blossoms into sharing infinitely and with infinitely increasing depth and joy in his glory. Thank you.